You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. As I was getting on an airplane Friday to go down to Houston, Texas, I saw a young lady who was seated just in front of me, in the row in front of me there on the airplane, and a little while after we had taken off, she turned to me and she said, aren't you a pastor? And I said, yes, I am. She said, uh, where do you pastor? And I told her I pastored the most wonderful church in all the world, First Southern Baptist Church in Dell City, Arkansas. She said, what? I said, well, you'll have to forgive me. My thoughts have been on some dear loved ones in Arkansas. I've been praying for them. She said, I know where Dell City is, and I know where you pastor, but I'm just wondering if you know where you pastor. <laughs> Over the next several minutes, we did talk together about some mutual friends, and when I asked her about a man with whom I'd been acquainted for several years, a man who'd been used of God very effectively in ministry, in youth ministry, as a matter of fact, she hung her head and she said, Oh, Brother Tom, she said, Haven't you heard? And I said, No, I'm, I'm afraid. I haven't heard. Now, don't give me any bad news. She said, Well, I'm afraid all I can tell you about him is bad news. For just recently, he left his wife. The home is dissolved. The children are brokenhearted. The marriage is over. And I thought to myself, Dear God, why is it happening this way in this generation? And my thoughts flew back to a moment some years ago when I sat listening to another man who was a noted leader among Christians. And as he opened his heart to me, he said, You know, I don't think I am satisfied any longer with my marriage relationship. He said, there's no joy there, there's no happiness there, there's no fulfillment or satisfaction there. And he said, and in fact, he ultimately fulfilled what he said. He said, I think I probably am going to leave my wife. My heart sank down into the pit of my stomach. I was aghast. I'm sure my mouth must have dropped open. I couldn't imagine that this man who had been for so many years a leader among Christians would suddenly at this juncture in his life decide that where he was and what he had done and what God had given him was not enough. And I began asking the question, why does it happen in that fashion? This morning, I'm speaking on this subject, how to satisfy every longing of your heart. How to satisfy every longing of your heart. And I believe that in the content of this message, as we listen to what God's Spirit speaks to us through His Word, many of you will discover that there is satisfaction for that which is created within you a restlessness. 
a sense that things aren't right and that in order for you to be fulfilled, you need a change. You need to change vocations. You need to change locations. You need to change partners. You need to change purposes in life. Perhaps you need to change your participation. I remember a man saying, well, I've tried church for so many years. I said, oh, I know. I hope it hasn't been trying. You've been used of God. But he said, I'm through with that. He said, I don't believe church is where it's at. I'm not happy anymore in church. I'm not happy anymore teaching and serving the Lord. I believe the message this morning has in it, the con in its content, the secret for you, dear brother or sister, those of you who would say right now, I have a restlessness in my soul. It seems that there is a vacuum there, and, and I've tried putting different things in it. I, I've tried making resolutions, but the resolutions have, haven't solved the problem. I've tried purchasing things. I, I have surrounded myself with acquisitions, and they have not solved it. I have even surprised myself at thinking. Some of you would say, I'm surprised at my thoughts. Or I have a, a beautiful home. I have a, a beautiful marriage. But now I find myself thinking almost wistfully, well, perhaps another partner would do, another husband or another wife would do. Some of you would say, I, 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 I cannot figure it out. I've been so happy in my work for so long. And now as I drive into the parking lot of my place of employment, I find my soul filling up with disgust. And I think to myself, do I really want to stay here? Do I really want to plug into what's happening in this place? And I know I'm speaking to so many of you who have such a restlessness in your heart, such a deep-seated longing. You've not been able to identify it. You've not been able to put your finger upon exactly what the problem is, but you know that something is missing in your life. And dear friend, I'm going to be addressing that issue this morning, how to satisfy every longing of your heart. And so let's look at this phrase in the second verse of that beautiful shepherd psalm, which we're studying these days. Chapter 23 of the Psalms, the shepherd's psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And here we read that he leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Now, if you will listen carefully to what the Spirit of God will say through the Word of God, I believe you will discover this morning how to satisfy every longing of your heart. Now, there are three steps you must take. Here is the first. You must acknowledge the source of your longing. Let me say it again. You must acknowledge the source of your longing. Now here in this 23rd Psalm, in this particular phrase, he leadeth me beside the still waters, the psalmist David is speaking about the important responsibility the shepherd has in ensuring that his flock of sheep receive all of the water which they need. Now there are several ways a shepherd can do this. Did you know, as a matter of fact, if there has been ample rainfall, sheep, by and large, can receive all the moisture that they need by getting up early before sunrise every morning and going out and eating the tender grass because there is enough dew, there is enough moisture on that grass to satisfy the sheep. But if there has not been enough rainfall, 
then it is the responsibility of the shepherd to lead his sheep beside still water. 70% of the body weight of sheep is made up of water. And it is imperative that sheep have enough water so that their metabolism can function effectively. Now, when sheep begin to lack water, of course, thirst sets in and the sheep become restless. As a matter of fact, a shepherd will tell you that thirsty sheep are not only restless, they become almost incorrigible. They become almost unmanageable in their drive to find liquid refreshment. It's an indication that the vital resources of that sheep have been depleted. Now, of course, as he speaks to us, he's not only speaking about sheep, he is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I am a sheep of the Lord's. And so let's look beyond just the obvious visible physical illustration of the sheep, because you see he's speaking here of thirst. Thirst that which creates a restlessness, that which indicates in your own life that some necessary resource has been depleted. There is something you need which is missing. And the result of that is that you have a thirst in your soul, a thirst in your heart. You may not be able to identify what it is. All you know is that you are on a restless search for satisfaction. Perhaps it will be in this book. Perhaps it will be in this job. Perhaps it will be in this motion picture. Perhaps it will be in this relationship. Perhaps it will be in this possession. You're not really sure what it is, but you do know that there is a thirst. There is a longing in your heart. Now, I've said we must acknowledge or we must identify the source of your longing. What is missing when suddenly there creeps into your heart a restlessness of soul, a longing? We cannot put your finger upon it. You try desperately to satisfy that longing. What is missing? I want to say to you this morning that what is missing is genuine fellowship with Christ. Genuine fellowship with Christ. Isn't it interesting that the Bible tells us that Jesus is not only the great shepherd, but often the Bible says that Jesus is indeed the water of life. You remember the time at the great feast in Jerusalem that Jesus lifted up his voice so that everybody could hear and said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Let me ask you just for a moment, if you will, please, to turn in your Bible to the fourth chapter of John's Gospel. John's Gospel, chapter 4. Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem, but they were going by the way of the forbidden territory of Samaria, forbidden to the Jews. Jesus sat down at a well. It was an old well, Jacob's well. It still exists. You can stand there this day and see from it Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, the mountains of blessing and cursing. And we read in the seventh verse that there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God 
And who it is who says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given to you living water. Now the woman said unto him, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. The well is deep. From whence then hast you this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank there of himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water that I shall give him shall... Well, he, he says, first of all, whosoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Now, let me say it again. Thirst, a longing a desperation, a restlessness in your heart indicates that there is a resource which is depleted in your life. Now, you can try to satisfy it with other things, other relationships, other ambitions. But if you have longings of your heart which have created a restlessness within your spirit, the only thing that will ultimately, permanently satisfy that longing is a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus. Permanent fellowship with Christ. Now, there are two observations I want you to think about as we consider acknowledging the source of our longing. First of all, the longing of your heart is a sign of spiritual depletion. Let me say it again. The longing of your heart, the fact that you are restless, the fact that you cannot be satisfied, the fact that you want more, the fact that right now some of you, even as you listen to me, may be dreaming of owning something else, driving something else, wearing something else, living with someone else, sleeping with someone else, drinking something else, that fact indicates that there is spiritual depletion in your heart. By the way, could I say something that would perhaps help some of you all who wonder with shock and amazement why you feel restless as you do? You see, when you have been in the process of giving out spiritually, you will discover that your spiritual resources will be depleted. Now, there is an answer for that, but you cannot give and give and give without replenishing your spiritual resources. And I believe one of the reasons, if not the main reason, that many of the noted leaders in the Christian faith, to our great shock and disgust and amazement, find themselves in moral predicaments, I believe that the reason some of you all who perhaps have been so faithful in your spiritual life for so many years, you have served the Lord God and all of a sudden you wake up and you are amazed at your thoughts. You are startled even at your fantasies. How could I, who have served the Lord for so long, even imagine such a thing as wanting to be with someone else or wanting to involve myself in that kind of sin? The reason is that you have become spiritually depleted. 
spiritually depleted. You need something to fill that vacuum which is in your heart. You say, does spiritual depletion take place? Absolutely. Why, when the woman with the issue of blood crept through that crowd and just touched the hem of Jesus' garment, what did he say? He said, virtue has gone out of me. I sense a depletion of virtue in my life. That is, power has gone out of me. And you cannot continue on and on and on giving in a ministry without being depleted. So longing, restlessness in your heart, is a sign of spiritual depletion. A second observation, and that is the longing of your heart will only be satisfied by spiritually drinking. The longing of your heart can only be satisfied by spiritually drinking. Now, you know that because some of you are spiritually depleted and you are trying everything that you can get your hands on and everyone who will listen to you to satisfy the depletion, the longing in your heart, but it will not permanently satisfy you. If you had the option, dear friend, you find yourself dreaming, for instance, well, I, I need a, a new car or a new something else, I would say, you, you may. God may send you out to do that. But one of the things you could do to avoid a great deal of trouble, if you would spend as much time on your knees with your Bible open in a quiet time with the Lord, replenishing your resources, you may discover that that will satisfy you more than some new acquisition will satisfy you. Now let me say it again. If you're going to have the longing of your heart satisfied, you must acknowledge the source of your longing. Dear friend, the thirst in your heart, which has brought to you some amazing and startling fantasies, some amazing thoughts, some, some wishful thinking that startles you because you say, I'm supposed to be a Christian. I have been serving God. I am a teacher. I am an usher. I am a deacon. I am a committee member. I am a choir member. I am a faithful Christian. And now here at this juncture of my life, we often talk about the midlife crisis. People say there's no such thing as a midlife crisis. People who say that have never gotten to midlife yet. Because what happens when people get to midlife often is they have given, they have given, they have given, their resources are depleted, a thirst sets up within them, and they improperly identify that thirst. The longing of your heart is spiritual in nature. The longing of your heart must be satisfied by spiritually drinking. Now let me make a second observation. You must avoid substitutes in satisfying the longing of your heart. You must avoid at all costs substitutes in satisfying the longing of your heart. Now, what is it that the psalmist says? He says, he leadeth me beside the still water or the quiet, listen, the quiet and deep running water would be a better way of translating that. Now, still water, quiet, deep running water is opposed to that kind of water which is very shallow and turbulent and carries in it all kinds of debris and sheep are not prone to drink from that kind of water. Quiet, deep running water is also contrary. It is just the opposite of the water that is quiet and still, but is also stagnant and can be found in ditches, and sheep are prone to drink that kind of water. 
In the one, there is an exhilaration. Here is this turbulent stream. And the sheep looks at that. It may look fresh, but it has all kinds of debris in it. On the other hand, there is a ditch. It is quiet. It is still. But in that ditch are all kinds of disease. You see, quiet and deep running water is pure. The water that you find in the ditch is stagnant and polluted. One has in it life. The other has in it death. Now, the good shepherd will always prepare in advance for his sheep a place where they can drink from still waters. Very often, as a matter of fact, in the Mideast, you'll find that the shepherd will look for a cave, a cavern. Going down in that cavern, if he can find a spring in that cavern, he then over to the side of that spring with great labor because the ground is stony, it is rocky, he will begin to carve out, hew out of that stony, rocky area a pool, a deep pool, so that that cave's pure, crystal clear water can flow into that pool, but yet it will not stagnate there because then it can flow out and continue on its way. Then the shepherd, as best he can, will bring his sheep into the cool, calm serenity of that cavern and bring them down there to the edge of that quiet water, that deep, running, pure, crystal, life-giving water, and let them drink there to their satisfaction. But now let me tell you something. On the way between wherever the sheep is, which is restless of heart, thirsty of soul, and where the shepherd has that prepared place with the quiet water, there are some substitutes. Satan will always have on your path some substitutes. Water which has death in it. Water which has disease in it. Water which may initially satisfy and slake that thirst of soul, but which immediately upon the moment you stop drinking it begins to breed death and disablement and debilitation into your life. And so you must avoid substitutes at all costs. You must avoid the substitutes. Now, how do you do this? First of all, you must have a spirit of discernment. You must have a spirit of discernment. That is, you must make up your mind that you will refuse to stop and drink until the shepherd says, this is where I want you to stop and this is where I want you to drink. You must not stop by some polluted, stagnant ditch and begin to drink of it. Now, let me give you an illustration. Here's a person who says, well... I don't know. I, my, maybe my life doesn't have enough excitement in it. Maybe what I need to do is to go out here to a racetrack and begin betting, and uh, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll make a lot of money. Well, anyway, the risk. That's going to be so exciting. And so he goes out of the racetrack, and he lays his money down, and he begins to bet on the horses, and there is a certain exhilaration, a certain excitement, but when it's all over, what has happened to him? Is his thirst satisfied? Is his longing satisfied? In fact, the contrary is true. He walks away more thirsty, more hungry than he was before he went. He walks away with his, depleted, with his resources depleted even more than they were when he stopped by that stagnant ditch to drink. Here's a person who says, well, maybe some habit. Maybe I need to go to the bottle and drink. And what does he discover? The moment he puts that bottle down, that which seemed to satisfy his thirst begins to work death 
in his spirit. Here's the person who says, well, maybe I need to stop by the stagnant ditch of some sensual relationship with someone other than the partner God has placed in my life. And there is that exhilaration, there is that excitement like a fast-flowing stream, there is that uh, satisfaction seemingly like that calm water, but the moment it is over, in fact, in the very process, that individual is drinking unto himself, drinking unto herself certain death. It is a stagnant, polluted, impure ditch. You must have the spirit of discernment which says, I will not stop and drink from anything which is not indicated to me by my good shepherd. And beside the spirit of discernment, there is another spirit which you must have, a spirit of devotion. He leadeth me, which means I follow him, a spirit of devotion. I must stay with him until I get to the water. Now, could I share something with you? Inevitably, on the pathway to God's provision for the longing of your soul, along that pathway, Satan will place a substitute. Now, let me give you an illustration. I cannot tell you how many times I have seen folks hold on to a marriage relationship. I mean, things begin to fall apart and they hold on. And things begin to get worse and they hold on. And things begin to crumble and they hang in there because they say, I know God doesn't want this to happen. I know this is not the way it ought to be. I know God has a plan for us. I know we should be together. And they hold on and they keep on holding on and they keep on holding on. But as time passes, there develops in their heart this restlessness. How long do I have to wait? How long do I have to hold on? And I cannot tell you how many times, it, far more than I can ever number, I cannot tell you how many times I have seen people toss in the towel on a relationship that God intended just before a miracle and satisfy themselves seemingly with some of Satan's substitutes when just around the corner, sometimes a matter of minutes, sometimes a matter of hours, sometimes a matter of days or weeks or months, God has true health-giving, life-giving water for them if they would just hold on. You must have a spirit of devotion. I've seen people who'd say, well, you know, I, uh, I don't think I can stay uh, where I am. I don't think I can continue doing what I am doing. And in their restlessness, they hastily, finally make a decision. They say, look, I've stayed with this company this long. I've done this for so long, and I am fed up with it. And they quickly make a decision without consulting God. And they discover that they have jumped from the frying pan into the fire. The job they have, the position they have, the work they have is far worse than they ever would have imagined it. There must be a spirit of devotion. I am going to stay with the shepherd. Some of you say, you know, Brother Tom, the long of my heart, you don't know. Some of you singles, some of you who've been married before, some of you young people, you say, Brother Tom, you know the longing of my heart. You don't know, you cannot understand the longing of my heart. Dear friend, let me encourage you to avoid all substitutes. Have a spirit of discernment. I will not stop at a shallow ditch to drink death a spirit of devotion. I will stay with my shepherd until he says, this is it. 
Here is where you can stop. Here is where you can slake your thirst. Here is where you can drink with your fill without any condemnation of conscience, knowing that you are perfectly within my will. Avoid all substitutes. There is a third step you must take if you are to satisfy every longing of your heart. You must accept the supply which Christ provides to satisfy the longing of your heart. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me beside the still waters. What do I do first of all? I acknowledge the source of my longing. I'm thirsty. I'm restless. What do I need? Why, that indicates spiritual depletion. It will be satisfied only by spiritually drinking. Secondly, I avoid all of the substitutes for satisfying the longing of my heart. With a spirit of discernment, I won't stop by a shallow ditch. With a spirit of devotion, I will keep on until God brings me. My good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, brings me to those still waters. Then when I get there, I will accept the supply that Christ, my good shepherd, provides to satisfy the longing of my heart. He'll bring me, he will bring you to still waters. If you are his sheep and he is your shepherd, he has promised you, I will lead you beside the still waters. Ultimately, you will discover satisfaction of your heart. Now, when you get to that still water place, what will you discover? How will you recognize it? How will you know this is what God has for me? It's not one of those substitutes. Not something that just appeals to my sensual nature. Not something that just temporarily uh, satisfies me. How will you know this is the place God has for you to drink? All right, let me give you four characteristics. And these will help you to identify the still water place. First of all, it will be a prepared place. Uh, let me explain this. You see, the shepherd, as I mentioned a few moments ago, the shepherd does not just take his sheep out on an afternoon's outing hoping that they might find water. The shepherd literally goes before the sheep and prepares the place. Many times, a shepherd would leave his sheep in a caravansary, a cave-like area, where they would build a fire in the doorway. They may put three or four flocks of sheep in that cave and one shepherd in charge of making sure that no predator gets in, no sheep gets out. The other shepherd then go out to find water. It will be a prepared place. The shepherd finds that place. He begins to check all around it. Is there any kind of pollution getting into this water? He begins to look at the terrain. It, does this leave my sheep as prey for other animals which would, would uh, uh, perhaps leap upon them as they are drinking this water? Can, are they safe there? Are they secure there? He would begin to clean out an area so that the sheep could have deep and clear water but yet not stagnant water. He wants to make sure it is still moving so that it doesn't carry any death, it doesn't carry any disease in it. And so the shepherd prepares the place. Now when you get... Where God wants you, dear friend, you will always sense that God has been there before you setting the stage, making the preparations, getting it ready for you. Last evening, as we do almost every weekend, we had a beautiful wedding in this church. Mike Toon, Susan Starkey were married together. And you know, 
One of the things that they said, just in my own personal conversation with them, so vividly describes this, I want to share it with you. They both independently testified that it was worth waiting. And they said, you know, it's interesting how as God was working on me, I saw God working on this man or this woman who was to be my partner. And when God finally brought us together, it was obvious that God had equipped each of us to be the partner of the other. Now, when you get where God wants you, to the Stillwater place, you will sense that the shepherd has been there before you. He has made it ready. He has made it right. It's not just a coincidence. You don't just stumble onto it. You will sense that it is a prepared place. He has gone before you. Secondly, it will be a peaceful place, a peaceful place. These are still waters, not turbulent, carrying all kind of debris. It's not located in a place where there are predators around which would make prey of the sheep. It is a peaceful place. It is a place where the sheep have, as they drink, a sense of security. Because of that, they're not just constantly skittering up to the edge of the water and lapping for a little bit and then running off to see if there are predators around. With absolute confidence, a sense of security, they bring themselves to that still water place and they drink and they drink and they drink deeply with an absolute sense of security. Did you know that one of the evidences that you are not drinking from God's still water place is when what you are doing to find satisfaction is something you are afraid you will be caught doing. May I say that again? One of the evidences that you are not drinking from God's still water place for you is that as you are seeking to satisfy yourself, you're afraid you're going to get caught satisfying yourself in that fashion. I don't want to get caught with this person. I don't want to get caught looking at this. I don't want to get caught reading this. I don't want to get caught going there. I don't want to get caught with this in my hand. I hope nobody sees me in this establishment. What is that? It is a sign you are not drinking from God's still water place. Because in God's still water place, there is no fear of being caught. There is an absolute peace which enables you to drink deeply. All right, not only is it a prepared place, a peaceful place, it is also a pure place. A pure place. That is, what you receive there from these still waters has no death in it. It is really good for you. When it's over, instead of saying, I'm worse than I was, when it is over, you say, I'm better than I've ever been. Even the act, even being in it is good for me. Why, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy, my burden light, my yoke fits you. So that even as you are working in that still water place, you're getting stronger. It's good for you. It's a pure place. It has health in it, not disease, not death, not disablement not disability, 
Why, when you drink of God's pure water place, you're not tearing down the lives of other people. You're not destroying your own moral integrity. There is purity in that place. And finally, it is a prosperous place. It's a place where you find soul satisfaction genuinely. You begin to prosper. Oh, I'm not speaking here of prospering monetarily. You begin to sense that you have at your disposal the riches of God himself. That you do not have a need, but that he has the answer. It is a prosperous place. You find yourself growing stronger the longer that you stay there. You know, Abraham of the Old Testament, the father of the faith and the faithful, was a man to whom the Lord spoke on occasion, but I am always, always surprised when I recall how few times over the many years of pilgrimage, how few times God spoke to Abraham, not how many. But those few times were still water places. And as Abraham would drink in from the word of God, he could go on the strength of those promises sometimes for years. And when he failed to do that, he would chase off as he did on one occasion to Egypt, on another with Hagar, the handmaid, that had come back with his wife from Egypt. But every time he met God, genuinely met God, you discover that he could go in the strength of what God had said for months and for years. What did that Christian leader say to me? When I asked him some years later, home destroyed, ministry gone, I said, you're bound to have learned something I know that you're sad. I can see it written in your eyes. In fact, a friend of mine called this man and, and his first statement when my friend greeted him was, who would have ever thought my life would have ended up like this? And so I asked him, what did you learn? What did you learn? And he said, I discovered that no matter how much of a ministry you're in, no matter how many spiritual things you are doing, you never build up so many points with God that you can afford to go one day without fellowship with Him. It's daily bread. It is daily drinking at the still waters beside which He leads you. Now, dear friend, if you walk out of this building, and you say, I need something. I know God's not in this. I need something. It's sensual. I need something. It's fleeting. It is temporary. My friend, you are doing so in spite of this promise. He will satisfy every longing of your heart. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father in heaven, how I pray that this morning there would be that resolve within the heart of each person here to come to Jesus for the answer. Lord, our thirst indicates spiritual depletion. Our restlessness indicates that our spiritual metabolism is in need of drinking deeply of the water of life, the Lord Jesus. And so, Father, I pray this morning that those here who have opted for those shallow substitutes 
those stagnant ditches, those turbulent but debris-filled waters would abandon those substitutes this morning and say, I will come once again to the deep water, the still water beside which my Lord would lead me. And, oh, Father, I pray that this morning we would discover that every longing of our soul would be satisfied. And I pray it in Jesus' precious name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We've come to this most important time. It's invitation time. Now, there are many people here who have many kinds of decisions to make. But, my friend, let me tell you the most important decision anyone will make in this building this morning. And that is the decision to come to Jesus for eternal life. He said, He that drinks of me, the water that I give him will spring up in him to life everlasting. Do you have the confidence if you died you'd spend your eternity with God in heaven? Can you say that beyond any shadow of a doubt? Can you say, I know I've trusted in Jesus? Now, dear friend, if you do not have that certainty, then this invitation this morning is for you. First and foremost, I would urge you to determine in your heart, I am going to come to Christ this morning. What will he give you? He'll give you abundant life, but more than that, he will give you eternal life. He will give you eternal life. Along with that, he will give you forgiveness and cleansing of sin. He'll give you peace of heart, purpose in life. He will give you victory over sin. And I want to challenge you with this thought. You cannot gain eternal life any other way than by trusting Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John said, as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even of them who believe on his name. In a few moments, I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. Our choir is going to begin singing. And the moment we stand, I want to challenge you to come to Jesus to receive forgiveness and cleansing of sin, to receive his everlasting life. You will be joining with others who will be making that same decision this morning. I challenge you to make that decision. The Bible tells us we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My dear friend, listen. This can be the biggest day of your life. This can be a red-letter day, a banner day throughout all eternity. You will look back to this day and say it was at that day in that place that I was born again into the family of God. I received Christ by faith as my Savior and the Lord of my life. And so I challenge you, would you give prayerful thought to that? Don't let Satan whisper in your ear and say, look, put it off, wait a while, not today, some other time. Determine in your heart, the moment we stand, you'll make your way forward saying yes to Jesus. Some of you have made that decision through this week. Perhaps you're one among those at camp. Perhaps you are others with whom someone has talked. Maybe in the quietness of your own home, you've trusted in Jesus. The moment we stand, I challenge you, make your way to the aisle, make your way forward, find one of these counselors and say, look, I have trusted in Jesus as my Savior. I want to register that. I want to make public my profession that I have trusted in Jesus. Jesus said, if a man confesses before me, uh, confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father who is in heaven. But if a man denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father who is in heaven. So the moment we stand, you make your way to the aisle along with these who are coming to trust in Jesus and say quite simply, I have trusted in Jesus as my Savior. I want to register that in this service this morning. 
It could be that you've never openly confessed that through the symbol of baptism. Since the day you trusted in Christ, this is your invitation. There are many here who need to join this church this morning. And God's just spoken to your heart and said, you know, this is where I need, this is where we need to plant our lives. And you know, some people are even coming to this altar now, and I challenge you to make that the same decision. Mom, dad, young person, if God is telling you this is where you need to serve him, I urge you to make that decision. Others of you simply need to come to this altar and kneel and say, dear God, I've been stopping by a shallow ditch, a polluted place, and I want to be drinking freely of the water of life. I want to be led by still water. My friend, have you decided that you will say yes to Jesus this morning? James 4.17 says, If a man knows what is right and does it not, to him it is sin. Do you know what's right? Do you know what you ought to do? Dear friend, the moment we stand, I challenge you, step to the aisle, say yes to Christ. And now, Father in heaven, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would sweep over this place, impart a spirit of faith and decision and boldness to each person here. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bind up any spirit of unbelief, any spirit of indifference or cowardice. And now, Father, we say yes to your invitation to us. We want to drink of the water of life. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand together. The choir is singing. You step to the aisle. Make your way forward quickly. Today, I'm saying yes to God. God bless you.